happening, everyone? Kira and Ben back again. This week we will be covering Parasite. Now, this film won in 2020, 2019, 2020. Maybe I should look it up. But it won the Academy Award for Best Picture. It is a great film. Bong Joon-ho directs it. There is a lot of fun themes to talk about. So we're going to dive in. But Ben, what's your history with the film? So again, it was a listener suggestion. And you had told me that you had seen it and it was a great film. So I was like, oh, okay. And um, Bun Jo Ho is the director of, what was the movie we just watched with him? Anything, Everywhere, All at Once? Okay, so I forget what movie we watched. Did we watch a movie with him? All right, I lied. So we're not going to talk about that. So uh, I, I actually liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I, I, I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, so for those um, who haven't seen it, it is a story about wealth and class and... Um, I think they do it, and the way that they paint it, I think they do it in such a good way. Um, so basically, it's about this one family who is lower class, um, trying to make a living, and how they con their way into working for this ultra-rich family. And then, obviously, things are going good, and then they go very, very bad. I will say that Twist did not see it coming. What about you? No, um, it was shocking. Like, when the, well, I don't want to get too far ahead, but, like, when everything came about i was like oh oh okay like this is like something i wasn't expecting and then like when it all came to a head i was like oh no so yeah it it was a surprise it was definitely a surprise so the story starts off with we have our main protect or i would say the son is our main protagonist he's the one that um kind of starts all this he's the catalyst for a lot of this film so he has a friend who was tutoring this family And he was like, yeah, just pretend to be a student and you should just like go and tutor too for this family. So his sister, who, as we were saying off screen, uh, was the best character in the movie. She so smart, doctors up a little diploma for him and he cons his way into teach into teaching English um, to their daughter, their eldest daughter. So they have. So this ultra rich family, it's a mom and a dad and then a older daughter and then a younger son. So now the brother's in the house and he's like, hmm, maybe I can get other people in this house. So first he gets his sister in claiming that it's actually not his sister and just someone that he knows who is an art therapist because the young son is spooked by a ghost that he saw in the house. So she's like, okay, I'll be, I'll do art, I'll do this. And so she does that. And then to eliminate the driver and the housekeeper, they kind of pull these elaborate like schemes. So like they frame the driver for having sex in the car and then they exploit, I would, I would use the word exploit. They exploit the housekeeper for being allergic to peaches by putting like shaving peach dust on her. And then when she's having a coughing fit, telling the the woman of the house, the mom, that it's <laughs> tuberculosis. I was like, and then the mom's like such an idiot. She was like, okay, bye. I don't know. I thought that was funny. So now they've the whole family has schemed and conned their way into the house with no one knowing that they're a family. These are just all, they can't be bothered to ask. And okay, so I thought that this was really interesting because they can't be bothered to ask anyone that works with them anything about their life. Because if they did... These people weren't smart enough to lie about their relationships. And I feel like their family would have been exposed way sooner if these people weren't such rich assholes. Oh, I 100% agree. Like there's one part where the son says they smell alike. 
And I'm like, I'm like, because they live in the, all right, so where they live is like this, this basement, like awful place. And like people walk by and they're peeing in the alley and um, the flood, it floods. And like, they basically live in this like rundown neighborhood and it's just really bad. So like they all smell of this sewerage and like smoke and like, it's just like, like I said, it's a really bad area. So for the youngest son to catch on and no one, well, the, the husband kind of says something about it. When he says he has a smell to him about being the driver, but that's like the most he gets out of it. And then the son is the one that's actually pretty smart. That honestly made me so mad and sad. That whole like poor person sound smell like that really pissed me off. Um, okay. A lot of the things that family does like piss me off. So one of like the bit, the biggest like critical scenes that happens is there is a very big, or not, I don't want to call it a flip. It's like this very crazy rainstorm. And their little basement apartment gets flooded. They are soaking wet. And they're just like, I don't know. It was really sad because you can see that, like, even though they're, like, working and getting this money, like, they're still stuck with, like, in their poverty because, like, class systems and, like, trying to, like, break out of poverty is so hard. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can see the struggles even when they're getting money. But... I think for them, a lot of it was the fact that they were just blowing the money. They weren't, like, trying to get out of it. They were just, like, you know, so excited to have the money that they were eating lavishly. They were doing all this stuff. Instead of being smart about it, like, they were just, like, pissing it away. And, like, it kind of, like, catches up to them in the end. Agree. But at the same point, like, I feel like if you didn't have money and, like, you weren't eating well and then you were exposed to that, like, obviously you're going to treat yourself because, like, Life is hard and like it is like sometimes about like the little things that are like that like make it worth it. And I think that like since they were in such poverty for such long, like being able to drink like the slightly nicer Korean beer and like eating like the better cuts of meat at barbecue. Like I think that like that's like important because it's like a a sign of like how far they've come. Obviously, they con their way into it, but still. So and then I think like so back to like the mom and the smell. So I think one of the things that is like so indicative of how like rich people and like upper class people like don't understand poverty or like understand like the working class is when um so they they their whole apartment is flooded right and then the next day he's driving her and she's like talking in the back like oh we're planning the birthday party and the sun is shining and it's not raining and everyone is happy and like so crazy and like why Meanwhile, their apartment's basically washed out and they've had a very traumatic night. Yeah, 100%. I think, like, the rich are oblivious to the poor. I mean, it kind of reminds me of um, the French queen where she's like, you know, they're like, oh, they're starving. And she's like, let them eat cake. Because she's so oblivious to, like, the, the, how it's going on, like, what's going on with these people. That for her, it's nothing. She's like, oh, whatever, just let them eat cake. You know, these people are, like, starving and dying. She did pay for that comment, by the way. But, um... Uh, <laughs> She got decapitated for that. But, um, you know, I'm just saying, like, that's how, like, the, the rich get richer, the poor get poor, and the rich overlook the poor because they're not in the same classes as them, so they don't see them, so they don't care. Agree. And I think, too, like, and you can, I don't know, like, they're so dumb and oblivious. So, okay, so let's talk about the fateful night of the rainstorm, right? We've kind of talked about the flood. We talked about her arrogance. Um, so what happens, though, is since they go, since the rich family goes away for the weekend during this this rainstorm, the family decides to just move into the house while they're gone and just 
live in the house. Now, while they're doing this, they're having fun, they're eating food, they're being crazy, being themselves, being with each other. The housekeeper that they got fired comes to the door and she's like, you got to let me in. I got to talk to you guys. She discovers that they are a family and that they are cons and that she's going to she's taking photos. She's going to expose them. She's going to get her job back all because done and done. They go down into the basement. First, also, first of all, like you wouldn't explore the house that you're buying and know that you have a bunker in the basement. That to me was like, how how much money and how arrogant are you? You're like, oh, I don't go into the basement. That's the help. I don't do that. So there's a whole bunker in this basement that's kind of like kind of hidden, but like it's it's there. And this woman's husband is living in the basement because he's hiding from loan sharks. And I was like, what? So this is so she like obviously works in the house, feeds him, takes care of him. She snuck him in there to live so he could live there. And then he's actually the ghost that the youngest son saw. So one night he was like, I'm going to leave my cave. I don't know. And then he's like walking up the stairs. And honestly, I will say that scene is so well done. Like you see him just like slowly like ascending up the stairs. It's like all black and then just, just like the light of his face and like Honestly, I thought that scene was beautiful because you kind of see it earlier in the film. You see it when the mom is walking up the stairs and she sees um, the housekeeper having this like fit, the like coughing fit. And that's not tuberculosis. It's allergies. And um, she's kind of like coming up the stairs. I like watching that like ascension. It's kind of like this like ascension to truth or like ascension to epiphany, which I thought I thought was really well done. Yeah, I agree. The, the husband that's in the cellar was actually the first owner. So he was the owner of the house originally. So he knew the bunker was there. And then the loan shots go after him. So he sells the house to try and get out of there. And the, the family takes over. And he recommends this housekeeper to this family. But it's his wife. So that they, he can have connection with her. So when she gets fired, she's freaking out because her husband's down in the cellar. And he's kind of gone stir crazy because, like, he turns the lights on and off, like, to tell the man, thank you, that's living in the house now. It's, it's really crazy. But, like. The son ends up like thinking there's a ghost in the house because of this guy doing Morse code. Yeah, so he sees him, and then the lights flicker all the time because of the Morse code. Which honestly, okay, so then what I like about a film is when things come full circle, and this movie very nicely comes into a kind of a cool full circle. So now everything's coming to a head. The son decides. So in the beginning of the film, I forgot to mention this. In the beginning of the film, the son receives a rock. It's called like the rock of success or like money rock given to him by the friend that tells him to calm this family. And he's like, please, like this is going to bring you wealth and success. So then the brother or the son looking at this rock of success decides that he's going to protect his family. They're going to keep their jobs and he's going to kill the man in the basement because at this point they have tied them both up in the basement and they because ha- they have to get back to their jobs. And then I thought that part, I thought it was kind of weird that like also how oblivious are you that you don't notice a full family of people hiding under your table. <laughs> so the family comes home from the because of the rainstorm. The family comes home. Our poor family has to hide in the house and sneak out, which I thought was very funny. And then that's when like we hear the conversation like about his smell, like he has that poor person smell. And then I thought it was so sad. So when he like turns to himself and he like kind of sniffs himself, like I don't smell bad. I don't know. That made me kind of sad. Yeah, and like it was kind of sad that like the lady that was trying to protect her husband 
they slam the door on her and she falls down the stairs and like smashes her skull and gets like a concussion and then she ends up dying like she's like you know take care of yourself you know i have a concussion i'm dying you know the husband is stuck down there with his dead wife i mean i was like oh my god that's awful like that's terrible like he just could do nothing he was tied up and he watches his wife die so like when the guy comes downstairs with the the stone to kill him and you know he turns it about on him i was like oh you know turn about fair play Honestly, fair play, fair play. I would do the same thing. Also, get me the F out of this basement. So now they're in the middle of this party where it is very culturally inappropriate um, for Native Americans. They're making um, the dad, the poor dad, the driver, wear like this like crazy headdress. And like it is, I mean, I guess that's what the rich do. They can just cherry pick parts of history that they like for the aesthetics and then they can exploit it and have fun with that at a birthday party. So this is happening and our, our, what should we call him? Our captive, our prisoner, our ghost, the ghost, the man, he comes out into the party, starts causing all this crazy havoc, stabs the dad and stabs the daughter. And now the daughter who we've already established is the best character in the film dies. And then we see the dad kind of have his loyalty, not like questioned, but come into question for him. Cause it's like, you got to drive my son to the, my son, you got to drive my husband to the hospital. And he doesn't because he goes to be with his dying daughter. Yeah. So like the guy that came out of the cellar, he's like trying to tell the owner of the house how much he cares for him after he just killed the daughter, like stabbed her in the chest. And then, you know, the father like of the daughter finally, like, I forget what happens, but he said, oh, he says, the owner of the house says that the guy smells and it triggers him and then he loses his shit and then he ends up killing the the guy that comes from the cellar and then he owes and he kills the owner and like then he runs off and no one can find him so now we have the, a dead daughter the mom who's just fled and we have an unconscious son in where is he in the cellar yeah so he's unconscious in the cellar and then partygoers fleeing everywhere and then um, in voiceover, we hear that he is regaining consciousness, trying to work and get enough money so he can buy that house because he goes and he sees the lights flickering. And what? His dad is the new basement person. <laughs> and like a nice like German family, I think, like buys the house or something. So like I was going to con his way in. But <laughs> so, um, OK. So that's like basically the movie in a nutshell. Obviously, we're going to talk about some themes in it. The biggest theme being wealth and money and success and what it means to be successful and what it means to have money and what you're looking for like in life. So I believe like in this film, obviously, when you are poor, your motivation is money. You want to be able to live. You want to be able to survive. And when you're rich, you already have that. So now you can deal with all the frivolous, stupid things of life, right? that some people like are just don't have the time to like under not understand but like to deal with because they're not thinking like oh I don't know like oh we get to oh we, our vacation was ruined because of the rain but we can still come back to our beautiful home like not like oh my house is underwater because I live in a basement apartment and it's flooded and I have nowhere to go and my employer says that I smell like it's it's like two different worlds that they live in yeah hundred percent I think like people born into wealth are oblivious to what people go through in poverty and then that's why you see like a lot of people that are born into wealth like 
they just don't understand. And if they lose everything, they just they they kill themselves because they don't know how to be poor. All they ever know how to be is rich. And then you have the poor people that become rich, and then they don't know how to be rich, and then they end up blowing the money. Like a lot of NBA stars, a lot of NFL stars. I mean, they have to actually have courses now and people to come in and help these NBA, NFL players deal with their money because they don't know how. They're uneducated on how to make the money last. So they just pee through it, and they buy these fancy automobiles, fancy houses, and then when it all says and done and the career's over, their money's gone, and they end up having to sell everything, and then they become poor again, and then they end up committing suicide because they've lost everything. So it's just a never-ending cycle. It is, and I think, too, like, I don't know. I don't have extreme wealth. Um, I work all the time. <laughs> um, I live well within my means, I think. I mean, I am in crippling credit card debt, but that's because I'm addicted to shopping. So maybe I don't live within my means. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I don't know. So, but I, I wouldn't, I could, I don't think no matter how much money like you get, it definitely has to be like a mindset that you're born into. Like you just like, don't, you just don't view things in a certain way. You kind of have this mentality like, oh, everything will work out and I'm not that worried and everything goes my way. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I have all this money. I don't know. And I think too, like you just become so arrogant and self-obsessed that like you do view people as like, oh, what do you do for me? How do you work for me? And like not saying that these people were like monsters to this poor family that they worked for, but like they didn't talk to them. They didn't get to know them. They didn't try to understand like any parts of them. They just were like, okay, you're here to work. And I don't know. I feel like it should have been. I mean, I've worked in a house before. So I I used to work in a home um, for a a very wealthy family um, before I in my career now and to see to to be working for someone and to see the amount of like waste and like wealth but also just like I don't know I don't know how to like put it but like there is just this like mentality of oh whatever we want we can have and like obviously like we're right because we have the money the money I don't know it it was very it was very eye-opening to me to be in a situation like that um and I and I learned a lot from it but I felt a lot of parallels, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, it was very interesting to me. Yeah, I think that's why, like, a lot of movies, like, when you watch them, they really hit home about wealth and poverty, like um, Brewster's Millions, um, uh, The Toy, uh, the movie with uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, Trading trading Places. So you see these things, and you go, oh, okay, and you like it, and you, you start laughing, and you think it's funny, because you see the person that's rich doesn't know how to be poor and the person that's poor doesn't know how to be rich. So like, it's like, it's like, you know, flip the flipping of the situations and like, you, they're just so used to being in a certain situation that they don't know how to act the new situation. Exactly. And like, I don't know. I feel like, what was I just watching? I was just watching something and they were like, they were talking about having, having every, having money versus not having money. And it was like, well, you're lucky to not have money because you have family and you have someone that like actually cares about you and to like share things with. And when you have money, you just have things. And it's like, okay, I can, I can see that. But at the same point, like you don't have to be poor and happy. You can have money and be happy. I always think that the two get conflated somehow. And it's like, you can, I don't know. I, I've met good rich people, but I've also met rich assholes. Like they, it, everything can be true. I just think, I don't know. I just don't think that I just I don't know. I just don't believe I believe how money corrupts people. We talked about this in our last episode 
And I think it just kind of sucks because they're every day that we live this wor- in this world, the class divide is getting bigger and bigger. And the gap between lower class and middle class to upper class is is growing every day. And there's not like who thought trickle down economics was really going to work. Like, are we being stupid here? Yeah, I agree 100 percent. I mean, the, the divide is definitely there. Um, I was just watching, I forget what it was called, but they were talking about like how um, it was about American Indian women being murdered and how you don't hear about it, but there's like a lot that get murdered because they're on reservations and the law is not the same as it is on, you know, in the country, but there's no focus on that because they're poor, like they're viewed as poor. And then like, whereas, you know, the rich white person is always thrown into the spotlight if there's a murder or, or if something happens to the child it's always the rich children or the rich white people and it's never like you know the poor black person or the poor spanish person it's never the minority it's always the majority that gets the focus and you know and that's true i mean it and it's always going to be money over poverty it's just always going to be that way until like i don't know i don't know what can make a change it's just you know maybe eye-opening like maybe the wealthy look down and go you know what maybe what, what was that movie with the Morlocks? And a time machine, time machine where the Morlocks were underground and they were like the 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 people up top were living this lavish life, but in reality the Morlocks were like eating them. So I mean, it's like society. Like you might think you're living this power, but without the people that are poor, you wouldn't have the money you have. Exactly, and I don't know. Like <sighs> I have a lot of thoughts about this, um, and I think this movie obviously is framed like as a satire, right? And but like the the ultra rich like watch this movie and they're like oh what an interesting movie not like oh maybe you should look at yourself and see what's going on and also one thing i mean the daughter i so sad that she died loved her she was my favorite but if she was as clever and as smart and as good at photoshop i feel like she would have had a better like like i feel like she could have just like conned her way into a better job than this like how this like art therapist i mean But it felt like she did, like, actual real work with the son and, like, really was, like, trying to, like, help him and stuff. Yeah, I don't think in the beginning any of them wanted to be in this situation. But when the opportunity came, they jumped at it. So I think the daughter would have probably done something better with her life had this opportunity not come. So, like, you know, it was an opportunity knocks. Are you listening? And I think that's the situation. Like, they were like, oh, wait. And, you know, they even said it. Like, oh, we can all get in here. We can all get these people's money. And we can all live lavishly. And it's a family. So you want to do what your family was doing. So, you know, it was the mother, the father, the, the, you know, the daughter. So they're all together as a family. And I think that was the thing that really bound them was the fact that they had that such a family tie because they came from poverty. They struggled together. They, they did everything together. So, like, they did this together. Which I really liked because I think, too, when you live in a situation that is more that is more poor than what we see within the rich family. You do create those bonds because all you guys have is each other. Whereas in this family, they had art therapists and English tutors and drivers and housekeepers. And they're obviously they love their children. I'm not saying that, but there is a different kind of connection there when you're not always with them doing everything and like learning from them. Like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's very, I feel like it's a different kind of relationship, not saying it's good or bad, just different. Yeah, I think it shows with the father when the child's outside in the tent and he's trying to bond with them and he's trying to be that guy. He's trying to be the father. You know, I think like always being away at work and always being in the office, it was like one of those situations where 
he knew he wasn't there. Like he kept on, like he says to him, I'll do whatever it takes to make my wife happy. And I'll make, I'll make these sacrifices. And um, it's the opposite of the movie we just reviewed where, where the, the husband had no desire to help the wife, no desire. This guy really wanted to try and be a father, try and do the right things. But he kept on like not being able to, cause he didn't know how, cause he's been away for so long. I think that's what we saw with that. But the other father loved and cared about his family so much when the, the, you know, when he sees that his daughter's dead, like he loses his mind. Yeah. Whereas in the film, in the film that we just covered, uh, the dad never talked to his kids again. <laughs> no, but this movie is very, very well done. I would highly recommend it. I know there are probably a zillion things that we have not even started to touch on with the, within the symbolism. This movie is very rich. Um, and it's awesome. Like we can even talk about like the wealth stone, right? So if we look at this wealth stone that he gets, it's like the success stone or whatever. And he like uses this and this is like his idol basically. But what does it bring him? Nothing but tragedy. Like it doesn't bring him success or at least success in the way that he thought it brought it to him for a little bit. Um, but then ultimately he's lost. He lost half his family from it. Yeah. And it basically almost kills him because he gets smacked in the skull with it. And like, like, I thought the amount of blood he lost, I thought he was dead. I was like, oh, he killed that boy. And um, it, it, he wouldn't have been wrong. Like, I, the thing is, the guy in the cellar wouldn't have been wrong if he killed the son. He wouldn't have been because, like, they killed, they killed his wife. And then, like, he wasn't wrong for anything he did except hiding, being in the cellar, and avoiding his, his basically his responsibilities. He made a mistake. He messed up. And, you know, he was scared for his life. He was fearful of this. You know, people, that were, the loan sharks were coming to get him. But you know what? If you didn't put yourself in that situation, you wouldn't be in that situation. A hundred percent. And I think that, too, goes back to like poor, not poor people, but like lower class people, poorer people on that search for money. Like, obviously, you can be rich and be addicted to gambling, um, but you can also be poor and addicted to gambling. And loan trucks don't care either way. So he he got what was coming to him, which was like really sad. I thought I don't know. I can't imagine living in a basement, like, legitimately. Like, that sounds so awful to me. Yeah, you could tell he was possibly, like, lost his mind. Some of the stuff he was saying, and he was just acting like, you know, someone that has been uh, cabin syndrome. I think, like, he was down there for so long, he had cabin syndrome, and he didn't know how to be the person he once was. And he was just so, like, he was appreciative of the guy having the house and having electricity. So he's flickering the lights to give him Morse code to show his appreciation. So he clearly lost his mind, but... Like when his wife died, I think that was like kind of took him over the edge. Oh, a hundred percent. Like that was the absolute like tipping point. Cause at least like he had his wife and we have to think he didn't see his wife for what, like four months or something or however long that she was out of the house before she came back in. Maybe not that long. I don't, I don't time. I didn't understand in this film. So, but I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was really good. Definitely watch it. It's a fun watch. Like I said, it's a uh, Oscar winner and don't be afraid of subtitles. We do a lot of subtitle films. I, I, I feel like we do more foreign language films than any other film. Yeah, and, like, it's been showing from our, our, our listeners, like, they appreciate it because, it, you know, Pakistan, Ghana, these are the countries that, like, you know, they have great movies and, like, American society just, like, goes, oh, I'm not going to read subtitles. But that's stopping you from watching amazing movies like Bahubali, uh, drive my car these are great movies and if you're not like oh i'm not gonna watch subtitles then that's you missing out on great opportunities because these movies have been amazing uh there's a bunch more in the queue for us that are coming up um that have been recommended from people from ghana people from india people from pakistan so we look forward to this and um 
you know, right now we're going to be taking a break from this. So your requests are still in the queues, but it is Halloween season. And, well, you know what? Kira loves scary movies, and Ben loves scary movies. So we're scaring the movies, all right? We're going to get some nasty, scary movies. And we're going to review them, and we're going to tell you how good they are or how bad they are. And we're going to do the whole Halloween. <laughs> yes, yes, yes to all those things. Um, please send in requests. So if you have any good, like, hometown horrors that we wouldn't know about, though, um, the gorier the better, the more vile the better. Um, we can stomach basically anything. Please watch this movie. And back to uh, your point, Ben, real quick. Um, when Bong Joon-ho actually won the Oscar for this, he did say if Americans can get past two inches of subtitles, their whole world would open up. And I full heartedly agree with that. I think this was if this was a movie that introduced you to foreign films, I'm so glad for that. Um, it is an incredible film. Please check out some of the other films that we've covered on this podcast, as well as just like looking online because the strike is still going on and our support is with the writers and the actors. Please access things that are that maybe have come out five, ten years ago, maybe even a few months ago. Appreciate and watch those films that have already been made and created. And yeah, let, let's get let's kick off spooky season. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, like we always say, we can't do it without you. We are here for you because if not, it would just be Ben and I talking at each other. So October 21st at 2.30, me and Kara will be live at the Lynn Public Library promoting my book, HodgePodge. So come see us. And that's all I got. Thank you very much for listening. All right, everybody. Catch us next time on What's Happening.